So, uh, so this Advent season, we're uh, talking about the gifts that God gives us at uh, Christmas, and today I want to talk about the gift of salvation and what that means. Uh, in the story of Christmas, as, as, as we read it, it appears in Matthew chapter 1 and 2 and, and in, in uh, the book of Luke, the very first uh, parts of, of the book of Luke. Uh, one of the things that happens is a, a little bit of drama in the life of two young people, Mary and Joseph. And now we're going to look at, at uh, what happens to our man Joseph, just a, a regular guy. He's uh, in love with his hometown sweetheart, and then an angel comes to him, and it kind of confuses him. But it's uh, Matthew chapter 1, verses uh, 20 and 21. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. This is God's word for God's children this morning. So I was looking at the calendar, and, and I noticed there's only seven shopping days left till Christmas. You know, a big part of Christmas for all of us is, is uh, the giving and receiving of gifts. You know, some people, you know, it's, it's been interesting to watch the evolution of my own children. You know, there was a time when they made, sh made Christmas lists, and it was lists of things they wanted for Christmas. But then they get to a certain age, and something tips, and they make Christmas lists, but they're not lists of the things they want for Christmas so much as they are the lists of things they want to buy for all their friends and family for Christmas. But, uh, but you know, we think of Christmas, and, and a big part of it is, is giving and receiving gifts. And, and the reason, I think, for that, the reason that tradition has developed is because Christmas is a celebration of the generosity of God to all of us. So today I want to talk about the gift of salvation. We talked about the gift of mercy. We talked about the gift of love. Today we're going to talk about the gift of salvation. You shall call his name Jesus, the angel says to Joseph, for he will save his people from their sins. And this is the heart of the Christian message. You know, if you had to to summarize the Christian message in a line, you might just say, well, the Christian message is that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Or in other words, the Christian message is that we can't save ourselves. We need a Savior to come and to get us. We can't redeem ourselves. We needed a Redeemer to come to us. You know, Christianity, the, the Christian faith, the Christian gospel isn't about the things that we do in order to restore and redeem ourselves. It's recognizing that a Redeemer has come and simply receiving Him as our personal Savior. Ephesians 2.8 puts it this way. If you could put that on the screen. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. This language of God being a generous God who gives grace and who gives the gift of salvation to us is something that pervades the whole New Testament. In fact, it's, it's, it's what Christianity is all about. And the thing I find that strikes me, though, is that there's two sides of this. 
of course, as Jesus came to the world, one of the things you, you see is the generosity of Jesus towards those who had nothing, the way he received the little children, the way he opened his arms to people who were outcasts in his society, in his culture of, of his day. And the most guilty, the most marginalized, the most desperate people found a home with Jesus and found love and found grace with Jesus. And that was... That's one of the things that pervades his message. And so the message of Jesus and, the, and the, the ministry of Jesus is good news for all the poor, for all the desperate, for all the guilty, for all who feel like they're outsiders. He says in one place, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The message of Jesus is, I'm here to save you because you can't save yourself. I'm here to be your redeemer because you can't redeem yourself. You need to receive this gift, not try to earn a reward. And so that's why Jesus was flocked to and was so well received by the most desperate and broken of his day. But there was another side. Jesus had an edge to him. He wasn't all, all, all fluffy and nice. And his hard edge was toward everybody who presumed that they were okay as they were. The people who got the edge of Jesus' wrath were every, everyone who presumed they didn't need a Savior and they didn't need a gift of salvation because they were all right just the way they were. This, people, this group of people were the in Jesus' day were called the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You might have heard of them if you've read the New Testament. But, uh, you know, the interesting thing is, is today the word Pharisee, that's kind of a pejorative word. It would be an insult, you know, if you called me a, a Pharisee, that would hurt my feelings. <laughs> but uh, but you, you got to understand, in Jesus' day, the Pharisees were some of the most respected and honored people because it wasn't a commercial economy like we have today. It wasn't a economy where the, there were uh, athletes or, or celebrities that were famous. The most respected people were the people who dedicated their life to complying with the law of God and complying with all of God's rules and studying all those rules so they could follow those rules and, and somehow through that perhaps earn God's favor and earn God's salvation. And to those people, Jesus said Jesus was, was the most harsh the most, uh, the, and, and gave the most difficult time. At, at one point in, in Matthew 23, he says this to them. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You're hypocrites. I see right through you. You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but, are inside, but on the inside are full of the bones of dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Now, that's pretty harsh. He's saying to these people, the people who everybody respected, the celebrities of that, of that day, the people who were, were uh, considered... The, the top of the pecking order, he sa says, I see through you. And even though you look good on the outside, on the inside it's just rotting bones and death. And, be and the reason you're so broken, the reason you're so hopeless is because you simply refuse to recognize this. You refuse to recognize that what you need is a savior. And so 
Jesus comes, and even before he's born, the angel announces that his mission is, is going to be this. You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so the angels announce this to, to uh, the, this salvation to, to Joseph here, and they announced it to the shepherds that, that uh, God is coming down to deliver salvation. And then, you know, the Bible makes it clear that Jesus, even though he's born of Mary, he's not of this world. What the angel says to Joseph is that what is conceived of her in her is from the Holy Spirit. So he's saying to Joseph that, you know, your, your fiance is carrying a child, but it's not your child. This child is from out of this world. This child was conceived by the Holy Spirit. This child has come from heaven and has come down to earth to perform their mission. This child is not the son of Joseph. This child is God's only begotten son. And one of the ways we know that is the angel says, Joseph, I got a message for you. This child that your fiance is going to bear, you're going to call his name Jesus. Joseph, don't you dare name this child. This child is not yours to name. This child is the son of God. You know, one of the ways you know something is yours or someone belongs to you is that you get to name them. When your child is born, you get to name them. When you get a puppy, you get to name it. When you get a yacht, you get to name it because it's, it's your yacht. So I'm just speaking for Ben, but... <laughs> But, uh, you know, you know that, that's the good thing about buying your own yacht. You can give it, give it its name. But, but the angel says to Joseph, you don't name this child. This child has a name that comes from God. You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And that's to reiterate that this child is not of this world. This child is not the son of Joseph. This child is the very son of of God. So that's the message of Christmas. A Savior has come from out of this world into this world to restore and to redeem because we can't redeem ourselves. And so salvation, as the, the Bible conceives it, is not a matter of looking within for strength and help and hope. Salvation, as the Bible conceives it, comes from looking up to Him for that strength and for that grace and for that help. And and that's the message of Christmas. A Savior has come to restore and to redeem. And one of the reasons most of you are struggling in life, one of the reasons life can be so frustrating from time to time, is because we engage in these self-salvation projects. You know, we say, well, if I can get buff enough, or if I can get skinny enough, or if I can get rich enough, or if I can get popular enough, or beautiful en or enough, or... or, po or uh, or wealthy enough, then my life will be worth something. Then my life will be significant. Then my life will be meaningful. Then I'll finally be happy. But what the Bible tells us is until we give up the self-salvation project and recognize that a Savior has come, we're not going to make it. But the question then arises, I think, is what kind of Savior has come? What kind of a Savior are we looking for? And the angel defines that to Joseph when she says, you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. One of the things I've noticed about myself and about a, a lot of people is depending on what issue we're facing in the moment, that defines what kind of a salvation we're seeking, we're, we're hoping to get in that moment. You know, if you're 
at a place in your life where you're in a lot of physical pain, then the only way you can conceive of salvation or the only terms you think of salvation is in terms of, of something that's going to relieve your physical your physical pain because nothing nothing else matters when you're burdened like that if you're in the midst of uh, financial troubles then the only way you can conceive of salvation is well I hopefully will win the lottery because that'll take away all my financial troubles and that's all I can think of right now you know when you're you find yourself exposed to legal problems then you conceive salvation in terms of getting making your legal problems go away we all have different concepts of of the kind of savior we need depending on what what our most ex biggest existential threat is in any uh, particular moment and you got to understand it's interesting for the first century Jews they were desperate for a savior in Jesus day in the first century the 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 Jews who lived in Israel were desperate for a savior because their nation had been humiliated. They weren't a free nation. They were a province of the Roman Empire. They were under the thumb of the Roman Empire. You, if you read the Gospels, you read all these bad things about the uh, tax collectors. The tax collectors were the most hated. Why was that? Because no one likes to pay taxes, but especially when you're paying taxes as a as an Israelite that are going off to Rome and to uh, fund the Roman Empire and to and so, so they imagined that they needed a savior, but the kind of savior they wanted was a savior that would be military, that would be political, that would be economic, that would set them free from Rome and return Israel to the, to the glory and grandeur that she had under David and Solomon way back in the day. Uh, and so, so that was what they conceived the Messiah was supposed to be. And that's why they were so frustrated when Jesus came, because he showed he had some power, you know. It takes some power to feed the 5,000 with one loaf of bread. It takes some power to raise the dead and to make the lame walk and to do all the other things that Jesus did to calm the storm. Uh, but then he didn't use his power the way they wanted him to use it. In fact, they got so frustrated that he wasn't exercising his power the way they expected him to be, that the the... The Jewish leaders led the charge for him to be crucified. And then when he was crucified, they were sure that their, their suspicions had come true and that he wasn't the savior they were looking for because there was no place in Jewish expectation for a crucified Messiah. A crucified, um, the Messiah was supposed to be victorious and triumphant and crush all of the enemies of Israel, not not to fail and, and ultimately succumb to a humiliating punishment at the hands of the oppressors of Israel. And so, so Jesus wasn't the savior they were looking for. He didn't solve the problems they were looking for. And that, that is a, a signal to all of us because sometimes the reason we're not interested in Jesus the reason the message of Jesus doesn't resonate with us is because we're more obsessed with our financial problems or our personal problems or our health problems or things like that and so we miss the reason Jesus came which was to save us from our sins and here's the interesting thing what the Bible teaches what the totality of scripture teaches is that you know it will be easy for God to solve your health problems you know Jesus just touched people and their health problems went away it'll be easy for God to solve your economic problems he took 
took five loaves and, and fed 5,000. Imagine what he could do with a couple of dollars, you know? So it would be easy for him to solve all, these, all of these other problems, but uh, you know what problem was hard for him to solve? What problem was painful for him to solve? What problem was catastrophic for him to solve? It was our sin problem. You know, God could create the world in the space of his six days, but to redeem the world and to save us, he had to send his son on the first on the first Christmas, and then remember on the eve of Good Friday, on the eve of his death, his son knelt down and prayed and said, Father, if there's any other way, allow this cup to pass from me, yet not my will, but thine be done. And it's been pointed out that God's answer to him was, there's no other way that sin can be removed. There's no other way that humanity can be redeemed than for than for you to die on the cross, and then for, for you three days later to rise again from the dead. The so life of Jesus is the only solution to that most ultimate problem, the problem of our sin and the problem of our guilt. And that's hard to accept for us. I mean, it's kind of insulting that to say that our, our, our moral corruption, our spiritual bankruptcy is so bad that we can't fix it ourselves, that we haven't done more good in our life than bad in our life. You know, that's kind of, I, I find that kind of insulting. But that's what the New Testament says to us. But we've got to accept that insult in order to receive the gift, the gift of salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's exactly, ultimately, what you are looking for. Because at the end of the day, your other problems, your physical problems, your financial problems, your professional problems, your relationship problems, you know, those are going to come and go. And those will get solved and unsolved over the course of your life. But your ultimate problem and my ultimate problem, our eternal problem, is our moral failure before a holy God. And that can only be solved by the gift of Christmas. The one who we call Jesus, who saved us from our sins. As, as the angel said to Joseph, you will call his name Jesus, and he will indeed save you from your sins. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you didn't send us necessarily the Savior we want, but you sent us the Savior we need. Help us to recognize that need. Help us to accept that need so that we can receive the gift of salvation in and through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in his name we pray. Amen. Now we're going to move into a time of confession. You know, the Bible invites us to be honest, to be real, to be transparent before God by, by bringing confession of our sins. And when we do that, then we experience His grace and His forgiveness. So in 1 John 1, 8 and 9, the New Testament puts it this way. If we claim to be without sin, we have deceived ourselves and the truth is not in us. But when we confess our sins, He is faithful, He is just, He will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray now that you would hear our silent prayers of confession offered up to us in the name of our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ.
Forgive us, Lord, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.